Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Kyle Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. Awesome. Well, I want to welcome everyone today. Who's excited to be in God's house? Anyone? Come on, I'm excited to be in God's house. It's going to be a good day today. And also want to take a moment to look into the camera and welcome all those joining us. Uh, online, along with all the men and women in our correctional ministry. And, and listen, we just count it. It's our greatest honor to have you a part of our church. So come on, Defiance. Help me welcome our church family today. Come on, let them know. Come on, let them know. You can do better than that. Let them know. It's awesome. Well, today we are in week five of our series called Running with the Giants, and what we're doing in this series, if you haven't had a chance to be here with us, is each week we're studying a different character in the Bible, and we're just asking the question, what can we learn from them? What can we learn from their story and apply it to our lives? But before we jump into the message today, I do want to first say happy Father's Day to all the dads in the house or watching online. Come on, can we honor the dads in this place? Come on, let them know. We're grateful for you, Dad. I just want you to know, man, I just want to honor your leadership as a dad. I want to honor your influence, and I want to honor the impact that you have in the world around you. And in fact, speaking of impact, speaking of influence, I didn't recognize how much influence my dad had on me when I was a child until I became a father myself. How many of us know that when you become a parent or when you become a father, it gives you a whole new level of grace for your own father? In fact, I discovered when I became a father uh, the power of the downward love of a father that is greater than the upward love of a son or daughter. Parents, how many of us know it doesn't matter how much our kids love us, we will love them greater and stronger than they ever will. Go ahead and just punch your son next to you. I already know you're never going to love me like I love you, which gives us, come on church, it gives us a great reminder of our heavenly father's love for us. Come on, nobody, nobody loves us the way our father loves us. Nobody stands beside us the way our heavenly father stands. Nobody keeps cheering us on like our heavenly father does. But I I was just reminded and I was reflecting back on, on how my dad influenced and impacted my life. And I was reminded of times when my dad would just encourage me. Like he would just affirm me and kind of speak into my life. And They would seem to be little moments, seem to be little things, but they had a big impact on my life. They had a huge influence on my life. And I can remember like little moments when we would just go into the backyard and play catch, just a father and son. We'd throw the baseball around. And I can remember being like a nine-year-old boy and just firing that baseball across the yard over and he'd he'd catch it and then he would take his glove off and he would shake his hand like I about broke it even though I was only nine years old and then he would smile and then he would say something encouraging back to me and I'll never forget those moments. I'll never forget how those moments made me feel as a son and the reality is that a father shapes a child's life. That a child is long, just, 
Just tell me who I am, Dad, because if you don't, somebody else will. How how many know fatherhood is important? Fatherhood is a big deal. And, And all that to say that a father's influence is critical in a child's life. That manhood matters and masculinity makes a difference. In fact, I came across just some statistics that just were kind of staggering to me and reminded me how much and how important fatherhood really is. Let me share them with you today. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes. 90% of all runaway children are from fatherless homes. 85% of children with behavior disorders are from fatherless homes. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 75% of adolescents in drug and alcohol treatment facilities are from fatherless homes. And 85% of all youth in prison are from fatherless homes. How many of fatherhood is a big deal? Fellas, it's a big deal. It's a a high call that God has on our lives. And, And on one hand, these statistics can be kind of shocking. But on the other hand, they're not that surprising either because a father's influence has a huge impact on the children that are entrusted to his care. Now, I, I do want to be clear this, 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 this morning that, that motherhood is extremely important as well. As well. It, it's not a, a, a matter of one being more important than the other. In fact, God designed both motherhood and fatherhood to complement each other in such a way as to reflect the the character and the nature and the person and the heart of God in such a way that neither one of them can do it on their own. And so motherhood and fatherhood are extremely important. And a mother's role, though, is will always kind of be primarily in terms of intimacy, care, and nurture. But the reality is that as a child matures, as a child develops, they will increasingly look to the father as their role model in processing decisions and adopting values. I mean, fatherhood's a big deal. Therefore, where the father is indifferent, passive, absent, either physically or even mentally, just checked out, the development and maturing of a child becomes increasingly difficult and the stakes, spiritually speaking, are even higher. Therefore, come on church, we need a generation of godly men who understand the importance of being an influential godly father. Can I get an amen today? Now, now if you're a single mother, you might be thinking to yourself, what does that mean for me? Well, let me just remind us today that that God delights in doing exceptional things in the lives of those who love him and serve him. How many know we can talk statistics, we can talk trends, but Jesus changes everything. And so we're going to believe that God will, you will be the exception and God can do exceptional things in your home. But I think every single parent and every single mother would agree that being a single mother is difficult, right? And I don't share those statistics or not, we're not even talking about this topic to dishearten or discourage anyone, but, but that's why church matters. 
That's why being in God's house is so important because if you are a single mother, then, the, then you might say, well, my children don't have a, a godly father influence or a godly father figure in their life. Well, that's the goal of the local church, that we could bring them here to this place. And there would be some godly men who are willing to step up and to step out and to invest in the generation that's coming behind us, right? It's the whole goal of it. But at the same time, how I many know God makes us this promise that he, he becomes a, a father to the fatherless, right? And so God, how I many know God fills in our gaps quite well, quite well. And so I just, I'm believing that as parents... I believe in as, as fathers that, that we can just do more to impart spiritual life to the next generation than we ever thought possible. And my hope today is to encourage every single one of us, but especially dads, that you would feel empowered because I know there are times when we can feel insecure, insecure as dads. In fact, I've never ran into a dad who said, you know, I got this thing down I got this parent thing all figured out. I'm crushing it, right? I'm in complete control. In fact, just the opposite is true, that we, we can all, every man, including myself, man, we can, we can have doubts. We can have insecurities. We can have fears. We can feel inadequate, especially when it comes to parenting our children. But I'm going to start things off today by, by just sharing a passage of Scripture with us that's not only my hope for my kids, but but for all of our children. And it's found in Psalms 112, verses 1 through 3. And the first sentence is dedicated to parents, dedicated to to mothers and fathers. And it says this in verse 1, How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Parents, how many of us know it starts with us? Come on, it starts with us. And then verse 2 says, their children. So for those parents who are willing to live their lives like that, what's the end result? Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Parents, isn't this our hope for every single one of our children? That that, that they would be successful? That they would be a blessing to others? And that they would live for what really matters in life? Isn't that every parent's hope and, and dream? Well, it starts with us. And so with that said, as we continue on in our running with the Giants, you thought I forgot about the series we were in, didn't you? Well, I didn't. And the character we're going to study today is Jesus. And so we are setting the bar pretty high on Father's Day, but we can handle it, fellas. Come on, somebody. We can handle it. And the title of the message today is The Legacy of a Father. The legacy, how many many know legacy is what you leave behind, what you're remembered for, the mark that we live, leave on this earth, the legacy of a father. Now, I know some of us uh, uh, here today would say, well, I'm I'm not a father. I'm not a parent. Uh, I'm not even married. Well, guess what? Neither was Jesus. And yet he still has some characteristics that every single one of us need to have in our lives, because how many of us know God's plan for our lives is that we would become like Christ, Christian, little Christ. That is God's plan for every single one of us, that as a follower of Jesus, our goal is that we would become more and more like Jesus. And the truth is we're all becoming something. The question is, who are we becoming? Come on, talk to me. 
That the only thing, the only thing that's more important than who we are today is who we're becoming tomorrow. And how many of us know direction is more important than speed every single time? Because we can be going fast, but if we're going in the wrong direction, it isn't going to help us. So the only thing more important than who we are today is who we're becoming tomorrow. The Bible says it this way in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, imitate God. The Greek word there literally means to mimic. Mimic or imitate God. Therefore, in everything that you do, not just in some areas, not just in the areas that are comfortable, not just in the areas that you agree with or that you want to, honor God, imitate him, mimic him in everything that you do. Because why? Why would I do that? Because you are his dear children. And here Paul is simply stating that children are just like their parents. I know we might make the statement, I'm never going to be like my dad. Too late, you are. Children are like their parents. In fact, that can, that can be both encouraging and challenging to those of us who are parents today. But regardless if we're a parent or not, if we are a child of God, if we are a Christian, if we're a follower of Jesus, then we should imitate and mimic our God. Verse 2 says, live a life filled with love. And then this, notice this next line. Following the example of Christ. And he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. Notice the passage of scripture said, following the example of Christ and not following the example of Jesus. The reason is because Jesus was his common name, but the name Christ was his divine title. And the name Christ literally means the anointed one. And what's interesting is that people in the Bible were anointed with oil to signify God's blessing and God's call that was on their lives. And so Jesus was anointed and he was called to fulfill some roles or some offices that, that you, we could say. And as Christians, we're called to follow in his example. And so I want to speak to all of us today, but I really want to kind of speak to the men of the house. And, and what I want to do is I want to give us four areas of legacy every father wants, I could make the argument, needs to lead from. And as we kind of look at some examples of the life of Jesus, and so if you're taking notes, and I know that you are, the, the first kind of area of a legacy every father wants to lead from is, number one, the legacy of a prophet. That was the, the office or role, the legacy of a prophet. Now, don't freak out on me using kind of the old school term of prophet. You don't have to put on, you know, a, a Jedi suit, and we're not walking around like that with a cape and all that. A, a prophet simply this. This is what this represents. A prophet is responsible for accurately and faithfully delivering God's word. In other words, let me say it like this. A prophet was a teacher and a mentor. And what this means for us is that we would know the word of God in such a way that we could pass it on and pass it down to the next generation. That's the call. That's, that, that is what God is calling us to step up. How many of we can't give what we don't have? And so God is calling us and saying, I've anointed you. I've, I've called you to this, that you would know my truth and that you would know my word in such a way that you would be able to pass it on to those around you, especially your children. 
That is, how many know that's a, that's a high calling? How many know that takes work? That can be daunting. That can, that can seem overwhelming at times, but it can only seem overwhelming if I don't know the word. The more, I mean, how many we got to start somewhere? I, I, uh, I saw a, a little, little meme on uh, social media the other day that, that said every, every like, professional was started as a beginner. Like everybody had to start somewhere, but we got to start. So if we know a little bit of the word or we know a lot of the word, we got to start somewhere because I know the call that's on my life is to know God's word in such a way that I can pass it on to the next generation and those around me. And also, it just means positioning ourselves in such a way that we could hear God's voice, we can know God's word, and we would, we would get God's word in our hearts for the benefit of our family. It also means living in such a way that honors God with our lives, that we would, we would follow the word in our own lives, not being perfect, because how many of us know? None of us are. Not being legalistic or dogmatic, just being dedicated. I'm dedicated to this. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to keep getting better. I might fall short, but though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. I'm going to keep on going. I know where the target's going. I know the call that's on my life. I know God's called me to be a prophet, to get his word in me and to share it with others, and I'm just going to keep on going. And Jesus gives us this example because how many of us know he didn't just know the word, he was the word. John chapter 1 uh, verse 1 says this, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, some versions say, and made his dwelling among us. Talking about Jesus. We have seen his glory, and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. I love that, because, because Jesus was the ultimate prophet. He showed us how to, to, to administer truth to the world around us full of grace and truth. We, we like to say it around here that, that truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless, but both truth and grace is medicine for our souls. And we see a great example of this with the, in, in Scripture. I don't have time to study it with you today, but the woman caught in adultery that the religious leaders try to use that situation to trap Jesus and try to prove that he wasn't who he said that he was and he couldn't do what he said he could do, but obviously they were wrong. And they bring this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery and they say, hey, the law of Moses, they try to use the word against the word. I mean, that was never a good plan. They said the, the, the law of Moses said we, we should stone this, this woman and not smoke anything. That means throw rocks at her and kill her but what do you say, Jesus? He says, well, well he who is without sin can, can throw the first stone to step up. If you've got no sin, go ahead and throw a couple rocks at her. And one by one, what they do, they drop their rocks and they walked away. And then, and then Jesus stoops down and he looks at this woman and he gives her grace and he gives her truth. And he becomes a prophet to her, giving her the word. And how many of us know when the word gets in us, it changes us. Something changes in me when I get God's word in my heart. Not when I just read it and I know in my head, but when I get God's word in my heart, it does something. It changes. It sets me free. It gives me the right perspective. And so he looks at this woman and he says, where are your accusers? Has anyone condemned you? Has your, has your sin condemned you? 
You ever, you ever done something that you just feel like you can't re- rebound from? I'm just never gonna be able to get over this. I just can't, I'm, there's no way we're gonna be able to recover. There's no way I'm gonna be able to get, I'm always gonna be remembered for this. People are always gonna look at me that way. You ever had something like that? That's where this woman's at. He's looking at her. You think you can't rebound from this? You think you're always gonna have this stain on your record? You think people are always gonna look at you this way? Has anyone condemned you? She said, no, my Lord. And he goes, then neither do I. Grace. But then he said, now go and sin no more. Truth. He became a prophet to her and it changed her life forever. How many of us know God's called us to do the same thing for others? Fellas, this is how God's called us to lead our families. That when our, when our kids don't get it right or when we have to correct or that we would give grace and truth in such a way that they would be changed from the inside out that we would be a prophet over our homes. The Bible says it like this in 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, all scripture, some versions say, is God-breathed. This version says, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. How do we know what is true? Society, culture will tell you what you feel. Just do what you feel is true. And as long as you don't do it too much, you do it in moderation, it's okay. How many know feelings are for feeling, but not always for following? Like I, sometimes I have, sometimes my feelings are wrong. Sometimes, sometimes the desire of my heart is wrong. How, where do I go to truth? I go to the truth of God's word that, that's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It shows me, it's, it's telling me, it teaches me what's true and, 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 and it makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're, when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. Man, God uses it. I mean, there's purpose in his word. There's purpose in his word. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And it starts with us, and then we pass it on to the next generation, that we would use it in our homes. We would use it to teach and to guide and to show. I've been on both sides of this as a father. There's times when I found myself in an argument with my kids trying to convince them that what I'm telling them is right. Parents, anybody besides me. And I feel like I'm just repeating myself over and over and over. But then I've had some other moments where I've just given my kids a scripture. So here's what God's word says about your mouth, punk. Kind of said it like that. I don't recommend that, but that's, that's just real life in the Brownlee home, right? Here's a scripture. This is what truth says. This is what God says. You grapple with that. You argue with that. You struggle with that. How many know God's word is way more effective than my word? Not only in my life, but in my kids' lives, too. And so as men, we're the prophets of our home. The second area of legacy every father wants to lead from, number two, is the legacy of a priest. Now, a, a, priest, a priest understands the power in prayer. A priest understands his limitations, a priest understands, man, apart from God, I can do nothing. If I don't get on my face and pray, if I don't cry out to God, if, I don't, if I'm not in this constant communication with God, I realize I just don't have what it takes. And so a, a priest becomes an intercessor, which means I'm just, I'm constantly going to the source. I'm constantly going, going, God, what do you, what do you think about this? God, I need some direction here. God, I'm, I'm presenting this before you. God, I'm praying about this. And a priest is an intercessor between God and man to solve problems, administer comfort, and reconcile relationships. See, see, a priest is a man who's, 
who's sensitive to, to meeting his child's needs and, and helping them deal with spiritual, emotional, relational, and personal issues. In other words, let me say it like this, that being a father is being a pastor in our home. Being a father is a, being a pastor. It's, being a priest is shepherding our families. It's caring for them and it's watching over them. How many of fellas, God has given us that responsibility? Now you might say, well, I'm not, I'm not a husband, I'm not a father. Well, if you're a man, God's given you this responsibility. That God's put this in you to be a shepherd of those he's entrusted to your care. Let me say it like this. Let me speak to the parents. Parents, that we would be our children's safe place. That they would come to us when they're struggling. If they're facing a major decision in their lives, or, or maybe they've made a mistake, that they would come to us, and us as parents, we could be their safe place. And then you know what we would do when they come to us in the times of struggling, or, or making a mistake, or trying to make a decision? What would we do? We would pastor them through that situation. We wouldn't criticize. We wouldn't tell them how wrong they are. I told you so. No, help me. Let me pastor you through this situation because I realize that's the call on my life to be the priest in the home. And we see this great example in the life of Jesus in Mark chapter 6. We'll just read verse 31 through 34, but give you a little context as to what's happening in this passage of scripture. Jesus has just um, found he's just heard the news that that John the Baptist someone he cares deeply about has just been beheaded he's just been murdered and then and him and his disciples have been ministering to people for a really long time we'll pick up verse 31 it says then Jesus said to his disciples man let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and man let's just rest a while he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles or disciples they didn't even have time to eat. And so they're hungry, they're exhausted, they're probably discouraged hearing the news of John the Baptist. And so they left by a boat for a quiet place where they could all be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. In verse 34, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he steps out of the boat. Can you imagine the heaviness on his heart? He's feeling depleted. He's hungry. He steps out of the boat, and he sees this huge crowd. And what was his response? He had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He pastored them. He saw their need, and he, he denied himself. He, it wasn't about him, and he presented himself in such a way to meet the needs of the people, and so he began teaching them many things. And if you go on and read this, this chapter in the Bible, not only did he teach them many things, but right after this is when he fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And as a priest, man, Jesus, he inconvenienced himself for the benefit of others. Jesus lived a selfless life, and Man, one of the things I love about Jesus is that, how I many we can tell him anything? Like, I, I, we can share anything with him. We can, we can share our, our deepest, darkest secrets. We can talk to him about things we can talk to nobody else about. And no matter what we're dealing with, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what mistakes that, that we've made, how many of us know Jesus always loves us, believes in us, and is willing to stand beside us through the thick and thin moments of our lives. 
I love the fact that Jesus, how I many other people might have given up on me, but Jesus never gave up on me. And I'm so grateful that, that he did. And I was just thinking, man, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of father he's called me to be. That's the kind of parent he's called me to be. How, how, that's the kind of Christians he's called us to be, to be willing to stand beside people through the thick and thin moments of their lives. Why? Because Jesus stood beside me through the thick and thin moments of my life. Not to be critical, not to be judgmental, but to be the, uh, a priest to those around us, especially our children. And I was, just, I was thinking uh, about a mentor of mine uh, not too long ago. Was, he was sharing with me one of the, the greatest lessons that he has learned as a father. He actually shared with me that it was a season of regret. And one of his mentors said, if, if regret got you anywhere, I would let you live in it. But because regret does nothing for you, let's just learn from it. And, and he shared with me, though, how he found himself in a season of life where he kind of became consumed with work. He was having a lot of success at work, and so he just kind of became consumed with, with work. And what he found himself in was when he came to his family, specifically when it came to his kids, he found himself in a place where he was, he was doing too much correcting and not enough coaching. He said the reason is because if, if we're not present enough to make deposits to create good behavior in the lives of our kids, then we'll become reactive towards the negative behavior in their lives. That he just, every time he was around them, because he was consumed with other things when he was around them, he felt like all he was doing was putting out fires, and he realized, man, he wasn't, he wasn't present enough to make positive uh, deposits into their life that brought about good behavior. But then he went on to tell me that it wasn't about uh, presence. Like, he was, he was there with his kids. He said, it was about energy. Because I was with them, but what I discovered for a couple years of my, our lives and my parenting, I was giving my best energy to everything else, and my family and my kids were getting what was left over. And I thought to myself, man, that, that, was, a, that was really challenging to me. That I was like, because I, I think all of us can relate in some way, shape, or form to that. And so as men, and we're prophets, and we're priests of our homes, then the third area that every father wants to lead from, legacy area that every father wants to lead from, is number three, the legacy of a king. Now, a king is appointed by God to rule the people as God's representative. Remember who we represent, right? A man is the servant leader. Everybody say servant. A man is a servant leader of his home. He's the initiator of decision-making and problem-solving, but without dominance. How many children need rules and structure? But they need it in the context of relationship. And so when it comes to the example that Jesus gives to us to follow, man, we discover Jesus was a different kind of king. Jesus was a, a, a perfect king. He, he's not a taskmaster. He's a loving king. As a king, Jesus was, was a gentle and humble authority figure who washed feet. What king washes someone else's feet? I mean, Jesus is a king like no other. He washed feet and he related to people on a personal level. His authority was, was different. It, it, was, it was for the benefit of, uh, of others and not himself. And Jesus gives us the ultimate example of servant leadership. And 
In fact, Jesus even said this in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. He said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. You know, something I've discovered as a father, as a husband, as a follower of Jesus, is that I'm at my best when I'm selfless and it's not about me. But unfortunately, the opposite is true as well. I'm at my worst when it's all about me, when I'm selfish and and self-centered. And maybe that's why Jesus said, anyone who's wanting to come after me shall deny themselves, take up their cross, and and follow me. God's called us to, to be kings. But then finally, the last legacy area every father needs to lead from, number four, is the legacy of a warrior. I mean, Jesus was a warrior. And a warrior protects and takes responsibility for the people and things that God has placed under his care. A man is given the responsibility to make sacrifices for the benefit of those entrusted to him. Exodus chapter 15, verse, verse 3 says, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. And when it comes to the example that Jesus gives to follow, when it, when it comes to being a warrior, I don't think there's a greater example than the cross where Jesus gave up it all. He gave up his life so that each and every one of us could be forgiven, so that each and every one of us could be redeemed, so that each and every one of us could have a life we never thought possible. So even as we're celebrating Father's Day today and we're talking about the legacy of a father, how many know our children need a prophet in the home? Someone, someone who studies the word of God and then teaches it to them. Children need a priest in the home who, who loves them and ministers to them is affectionate with them and accepts them. Children need a king, someone who brings structure into their lives and keeps order within the home. Children need a warrior, someone who protects them and keeps them safe by watching over their physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. I'm going to close with this this thought today, and the reality is that that most of us are, are strong in one or two of these areas, but then we are lacking or have room for opportunity and growth in the other areas. And typically, we're good at what was modeled for us, like what was passed down from, from our fathers. But I just was thinking about some of the dynamics that we can have as we, we try to, to, to become all four of these. And that is, w- when we're a prophet but not a priest, we can be harsh, performance-orientated, and demanding. If we're a priest and not a king, it means that we can be kind but weak. If we're a king but not a priest, it means that we can be dominant, insensitive, and selfish. If we're a warrior but not a prophet, it means we can be strong but lack wisdom. And so as I close today, how do we become all four of of these? How do we become a, a prophet, a priest, a king, and a warrior? And let me just give us a couple thoughts as we close today. I think the first thing we can do is not in your notes, but we can admit our weaknesses. That, that we just admit what we're not, right? We can't, we, we can't work on our gaps if we don't know them. And so all of us are strong in some areas, but that we would just admit and recognize and deal with the, the, the weaknesses that we have. And then another thought I had was to, to forgive our, our father. Maybe we have some, some issues that happen between our dads that we would forgive our father and break family iniquities. And iniquities just simply means a tendency towards a sin. And that we would submit to the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Bible says that those of us who are led by the Spirit stay in step with the Holy Spirit. So we'd allow the the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and and promptings and how 
how we pastor and our children. And then here's one that, that I would recommend. I haven't done it yet, but uh, it's ask your wife for help. Got it out of a, I read it online. I'm not sure if it's true, but you try it out, let me know. No, I'm teasing. I mean, I mean no, that we're, a husband and wife is there to make each other better. That my wife makes me better, I make her better, right? Like if you're single right now and you're looking for, you need to find someone who makes you better, pushes you closer to Jesus, right? That's our job as a husband and wife to make each other better. I'll never forget one time that we were on vacation and we've been traveling, driving all day and we were kind of irritable as a family and just kind of at each other a little bit. And my, my daughter, Tessa, she was probably around eight at the time. She did something that, that she, she, she messed up. She totally sinned and... Um, she did something, and I was correcting her, and uh, she kind of had an attitude, and so I was kind of, I was kind of grilling her a little bit, and and I was frustrated with her, and I'll never forget we had stopped at this this place, Pancake House or something like that, Pancake, I think it was Pancake World, and uh, we went into this restaurant, and we were just sitting down, and and I'm sitting next to Tessa, and I'm frustrated frustrated with her, and she's obviously been crying, and because I've been getting on to her as a dad and there's even though I'm sitting next to her there's this invisible wall between us you know what I'm saying and uh and my wife Justina looks at me and and she mouths put your arm around her and I went no I'm not doing that I don't want to right and so um and then she was (laughs) and so I I listened and I and honestly it was the weakest the, it was a limp. I mean, it was like a half arm around her. I mean, it was, I'm just going to be honest with you, it was not good at all. And all I did was this, kind of put it on her shoulder. It was a halfsy. But as soon as I did, she like cuddled up into my side. And I looked, and I, and I went like this. And I looked at Justine, and I was like, that worked. <laughs> and you know what she said? I told you. Straight up. But she makes me better because the reality is two things. I never would have thought of doing that on my own. It never even would have crossed my mind. Because I, I parent my boys differently, right? I punch my boys. I'm just joking. But I, wouldn't, I don't put my arm around my son and he cuddles up with me. That's just, we just have a different vibe going. But, but what my daughter needed in that moment, I didn't, I grew up, I have brothers. I have a brother. I don't, we had, I didn't grow up with sisters. So she looks at me and she goes, put your arm around her. And then I thought, man, I, not only did I, I never would have thought of that, but the moment I was able to share with my daughter, it was powerful. Like brought her in. It taught me a, a lesson and it brought us closer. How many that made possible? Because my wife, right? We make each other better. And then, then finally today as we close, how do we become all four of these? Man, we admit our weaknesses. We forgive our fathers submit to the Holy Spirit, we ask our wives for help, and then we find godly role models to help us. You know, typically women learn by talking with one another, men learn from watching one another. And that we would find some godly role models to to come alongside us and help each other, make each other better. So I just even want to encourage you, man, we had an incredible time at Becoming Man Night this past week, and, and it was incredible. Um, I had a, like 130 guys show up, and 
one of our big pushes is just to have a, a Becoming Man small group every Thursday night in this place. We have almost 50 guys signed up right now. And I just want to encourage you, if you're not in a small group, fellas, man, that's your group. Just jump in Thursday nights. And we're just going to, we're going to come alongside. We're going to build community and relationships and friendships. We're going to talk values. But we're going to lock arms and help make each other better. Amen. Because the goal is this, as we'll close, Psalm 112, verses 1 through 3. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. Their children will be successful everywhere they go. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. The legacy of a father. Would you pray with me today? Father, thank you for your love that never fails. Thank you for the example of your son, Jesus, who was the ultimate prophet. He was the ultimate example of a priest. He was the ultimate king. He sacrificed as a warrior. and He gave his life up as a ransom for many on the cross. We recognize the call, the anointing, the plan and the purposes that you have on, on our lives. And as we're praying together today with every head bowed and every eye closed, could you just pray this prayer right where you're at? Say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to respond to the message today? I don't want to just be a hearer of your word, God. I want to be a doer. Show us, Holy Spirit. What's our next step? Maybe there's some areas that we're strong in, but there's some areas that we need to grow in. Maybe, maybe we're good priests, but when it comes to knowing God's word, we're, we lack as a prophet, passing it down to the next generation. God, help us to grow as, as prophets. God, we recognize that we're all becoming someone. The question is, who are we becoming? And the only thing that's more important than who we are today is who we're becoming tomorrow. God, we want to become like Christ, to mimic, to imitate our, our King as followers of Jesus. As we draw near to you, you draw near to us. And as we're praying together today, if, if you're here, maybe a parent or a, even a father, you just feel the call to, to take some steps. There's some things that you need to do to even fill these roles as prophet, priest, king, and warrior. Would you just lift your hand to heaven? I want to pray for you right where you're at. You just know there's some areas. Maybe like me, you recognize, man, there's some opportunities as a father, there's some opportunities as a parent, there's some opportunities in your personal life. There's just, you got some opportunities. Father, you see the hands in this place, God, and you know our situations, you know our struggles, you know our gaps, God. But in humility, we just give you permission, God, to lead us and guide us into all truth by the power of your Holy Spirit. God, not only would we identify the weaknesses or the opportunities we have, but God, give us the courage to address them. Give us the, the courage to submit them to you, God, and to, to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And God, as we just simply say yes to your love, yes to your obedience, yes to your plan for our lives, I pray that you would do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could think, ask, or imagine in our families, in our homes, with our children, in our relationships. God, as we simply say yes to you, do what only you can do, God. As we continue praying together today, maybe you were here and you would say, man, I, I, don't, I don't really have a relationship with God. I mean, I know about him and I understand, but I've never, I've never surrendered. I've never yielded to who God is and who he wants to be in my life. I don't, I don't know him. It simply starts with 
Bible says that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, something happens on the inside of us. And we shall and we will be saved. You need to make that decision today, wherever you're at. Maybe you're watching online. If you need to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your heart, of your life, would you just lift your hand to heaven and say, here I am, God. I recognize I recognize there's more to this life than what I'm living, and it starts with a relationship with you. Here's my life. And right where you are, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to pay the price for my sin on the cross. Here's my heart. Here's my life. God, forgive me. Fill me. Change me. Redeem me. My life is yours. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for all that he did today. So good. Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not. That's what happens when you wait. What happens when you wait? They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. What happens when you wait? Oh, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk and not get weary. They shall run and not faint. That's what happens when you wait. What happens when you wait? Oh, they that wait, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle and soar. They shall walk, not get weary. They shall run and not faint. That's 
for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.